we are coming toward the end, if the Holy Spirit will let me, we're coming toward the end of this series that we have been in since January 1st, one of the longest running series that I have ever preached, teaching on the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit is not, I keep, every time I say, Lord, you know, we're getting down to where we need to turn a corner here, and the Holy Spirit says, I'll tell you when to turn corners. Come on. Listen, the Holy Spirit talks to me pretty bluntly. You don't turn a corner till I tell you to turn a corner, boy. I'll tell you when to turn the corner. But anyway, the, we've, we've taught on the kingdom of God and, and we have learned that the kingdom of God is designed to flow through us. The disciples asked Jesus, when will you come and establish your kingdom? And as he taught them and as they were filled with the Spirit, they began to understand that the kingdom of God would be released in the earth through them and through the church until the time that he would return. And um, then we learned uh, a great deal about why Jesus spoke in parables, but we have not even taken the opportunity to talk about the parables themselves, which are a great study all on their own. So this morning we're going to go into Matthew uh, chapter 13 and, and in some other places, uh, and I'm going to just give you some appetizers. How many like appetizers? Give you some appetizers in the parables. All of this would be ridiculous. Absolutely a, a moot point. If in teaching that the kingdom of God was to flow through you, you missed the opportunity to see the world the way God is seeing it. This would just be a religious exercise if you and I are not going to become the voice of God in the earth. Oh God, I'm going down that road. I feel it coming. Get ready. All of this would just be a ridiculous religious exercise unless God is able to reach the lost through us. Unless He is able to open the blind through us. Unless He is able to raise the dead through us. This is just religion. Unless it changes who we are. And unless it makes us like Him in the earth. So the Bible teaches us that Jesus spoke the parables. We're not going to review those passages today. But the Bible teaches that Jesus spoke parables so that those who were close to Him, those who were walking in the kingdom of God, those who were getting to know Him, would have revelation about the kingdom of God, but so that those who were not would just say, oh, what a great story. And I wish that we had time, but I believe that God actually designed it so that so that the preaching of the gospel in the midst of the body of Christ could only produce appetizers. I believe that God designed it so that when you hear the preaching of the word, that it would tantalize your spiritual taste buds and make you want more so you would go home and dig for more. 
If you are living on what I'm preaching every week, you are spiritually starving to death. And I've heard people, I'm not going to go to that church anymore because they're not feeding us. Are you kidding me? If you have so designed your life that you don't have time to sit down in the presence of the Lord and have a spiritual meal, don't blame it on your pastor. Don't blame it on your leaders. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me now. I love you with all my heart. Things could get ugly. I tell you, if you've ever been in a family discussion at my house, when we are uh, teaching our children, pointing them in the right direction, you've just run into a couple of parents who are willing to say the hard things. And if you love your children, you're willing to say the hard things. You're willing to tell them that the road that they're headed down, is the bridge is out. And I wouldn't give a plug nickel for a pastor that wasn't willing to stand in front of his people and tell them the way that the Spirit of God is leading and the direction that we ought to go as a people of God. And certainly if we're headed down a road that the bridge is out, that he wouldn't say, don't go that way, the bridge is out. So consequently, it could get really ugly before it gets pretty. No, I love you with all my heart, but you listen to this. God is designed the preaching and the teaching of the word to make you hungry. Not to fill you up. Our time together is not designed to fill you up. It is designed to make you hungry. So I challenge you to be someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Enough to go and dig and get filled. I challenge you to be someone who when you come into worship and you spend 15 or 20 minutes in worship with us as a body of believers, that you begin to have a conversation with yourself about how do I cultivate that environment at home? How do I bring the presence of God that I am sensing in the gathering of the church, in the gathering of the corporate assembly, how do I bring that environment into my world? So I'm giving you a tool today. You're on the Welcome Center, and I'll know if you're serious by how many are left, because I know how many I copied. And if we run out, we can make some more. It's called the Parables of Jesus, and it's a wonderful tool that is three pages long, and it cites all the parables in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And one of the reasons that I've given you this is that many of the parables are mentioned in, in three of the four Gospels or two of the four Gospels, many of the parables are, are shared uh, from the different writers. You know, Matthew's perspective, Mark's perspective, Luke's perspective, or John's perspective. And I want to challenge you that when you go and you read those parables and you begin to study them, that you look at how each writer wrote them and what he felt was important and what he felt was uh, something worth repeating. 
so that you get a broader picture of the moment that those, that those teachings were expressed by Christ. And so on the Welcome Center, there's a little uh, pages like this, and it says Parables of Jesus. And so that I didn't need to take the time to preach and teach every parable that Jesus ever spoke. How hungry are you? How many of you do have a roast that's burning if I don't let you out of here on time? So anyway, uh, you have a handout that is the parables of, of Jesus, and it lays them out for you in, in a wonderful outline, and it gives you the basic, most foundational lesson that is taught in that particular parable. But I want us to, uh, to just look at a few of them today. Matthew chapter 13 it begins with Jesus telling them about the sower in, in verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 3. It, Jesus, it says, Jesus told them many things in parables. Jesus told them many things in parables. I submit to you that Jesus told them parables that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't write down. Jesus told them many parables... And then he begins with one saying, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed some seeds, uh, as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on uh, stony ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And then he says, he that has an ear, let him hear. Well, I'm going to tell you, according to what I learned in Bible college, Jesus wasn't a very good preacher. He never finished the story. He didn't complete the thought. He just said, the sower went out to sow. And some of the seed fell on good soil, but some of it fell on the rocks, and some of it fell uh, by the wayside. Some of it the birds ate. Some of it took root, but it didn't last very long. And and some of it uh, took root and grew and produced fruit. If you've got an ear, hear. If you're listening, hear. If you're not listening, What are you saying? If you're not listening, I can't help you much, wasn't he? And then he went on, the scripture goes on, and the writer uh, moved into, in verse 10, the purpose of the parables, which we've already discussed, and, and uh, talks about the secrets of the kingdom of God, and, and so on. At the end of that, in verse 16, what I want to point out to you is after Jesus explained to them why he was speaking in parables, he said, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For many prophets and righteous people throughout the ages have longed to see what you see and have not seen it and have desired to hear what you hear and do not hear it. It sounds almost like he just turned a corner. And he said, here's this nice little story. If you have ears, hear. 
And then he said, those of you that want to hang out to me and be close to me, I'm going to reveal to you some deep truth. And then those of you that don't want to hang out to me and be close to me, I'm just going to tell you stories. But then he goes on in verse 18, chapter 13 and verse 18. And he says, Hear the parable of the sower. And I wish I could say that everyone who has listened since January 4th, when Robert was here and he kicked off this series on the kingdom of God, I wish I could say that everyone who's been at Church of Living Water, both those who have attended and those who have listened and those who have visited and those who have gone on the website and listened to the podcast and all those who have received this word, I wish I could, I could declare with great assurance that 100% of the people that heard the word that has been preached for the last several months received it and it went in and it's, it's seed in good soil and it's going to produce a hundredfold in their life. But I figured out that that's probably not the case. I pray that that's the case for you. Jesus says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, What do we do when we hear the word of God and we don't understand it? What what should we do? What should our response be? If I hear preaching or teaching and and, and I I, I, I read the scriptures and I don't understand them, what what is my assignment? Research. I'm hearing all the right words. This is wonderful. Research. Study. Dig. uh, Go further. uh, Go find out. Get a hold of Bishop. Call him. He loves it when his phone rings. I was reading and I don't understand. Go talk to Steve. Go talk to Leroy. Go talk to, to these elders. I was reading in this scripture and I don't understand what. Would you tell me what it means? Help me understand. Because Jesus is giving us a key to the kingdom right here. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is that which was sown along the path that the birds ate. You know, by the time I think Jesus just, t- just started talking about wine, told parables, and totally kind of changed the subject just to see who would hang out and who would leave before he finished and gave them the rest of the story. As for that verse 20, Matthew 13 and verse 20, as for that which was sown on rocky soil, that's the one who hears the word and goes, oh, that's so good. This is a picture of the American church. Oh, sorry. Did I say that? Oh, that tastes so good to me. That's so good. That just, that just blessed my heart. But it didn't change me. It blessed me. But I'm going to go home, and by the end of the week, I'm going to be just like I was when I heard it. Challenge you. Say, challenge me, Lord, not pastor. Let the Lord challenge you. So as for that which was sown on rocky ground, that's one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, but has no root in himself. Somebody, 
highlight that in your Bible. If you cannot write in your Bible, retire that thing and go buy one that you can write in. If your Bible is too holy to take notes in, get another one. Get one that you can utterly destroy by use. Put that one on a shelf and go by and say, oh, how pretty that is. But go get one that you can use. Memorize this word right here. He receives it with joy, but he has no root. So it endures for a while. But when trouble comes, but when tribulation comes, but when persecution comes, I've lost count of the times that believers have come into my office or called me on the phone or or talked to me in times of trouble and said, Oh, what's God doing? You know what that sounds like to me? Children of Israel. Coming out across the desert. You ever read that story? What you doing, Moses? Did you bring us out here to die? You're going to starve us to death. I want some onions. We're out here with no water. Do you want us to just wither up out here? What's God doing with me in this season of trouble? Why? Why me, God? Why not you? Why not? Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us. So Jesus said, This is a person who receives the word with joy, yet has no root in himself, so it endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, would you understand this? Please understand this. See, you come and you hear the preaching of the word. You are setting yourself up for a challenge. You you go to the podcast and you listen to the word. You're setting yourself up for the challenge. You turn on Christian radio and you begin to listen to the preaching of the word or Christian TV and, and you begin to listen to the preaching of the word. You're setting yourself up for a challenge. Why? Because the enemy hears the word go into you. He does not want it to take root. He does not want it to bring forth fruit. So he comes immediately to frustrate your life so that it takes no root and produces nothing in you. He that hath an ear, let him hear. For the rest of us, it's just a story. So he has no root in himself. He endures while it feels good, if I can, if I can paraphrase. Uh, you know, there are many people who come to Jesus and they say yes to Jesus and they'll even endure the nervousness that you get when they need to walk forward and come down and pray the sinner's prayer that is not in the Bible, by the way. They'll go through the motions and come and receive Jesus and even have a moment of of the outpouring of His Spirit and, and it feels good. It does feel good to be loved. How many understand being loved feels good? So it says with joy they'll endure for a while while things are going well. But because they have no root, because they have no foundation, because their life is built on sand... 
and all those other wonderful parables and analogies that are in Scripture. Because they have no root, they'll endure for a while, they'll, they'll tell you how good God is, they'll just tell you how wonderful He is, but then when tribulation arises on account of the Word, because the enemy does not want the Word of God to take root in you. Let me just tell you ahead of time, if you're going to go into the Word and if you're going to root your life in God, you're going to face a challenge getting to the season of fruit. But it's worth the ride. It's worth the ride. It's worth the challenge. Yes. The reward is far greater. The, Jesus, the word says of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He saw the goal. The Apostle Paul said, I forget the things that are behind me. I set my eye toward the mark and toward the prize. I run toward the goal. Nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus even when they're throwing people in jail for speaking the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell people about Jesus who don't want to hear me. Oh, okay, I just heard the Holy Spirit. He had me look this up uh, a few minutes ago and I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Matthew chapter 10. We are in a culture that is teaching us and telling us not to share our faith. You understand that? We are in a culture where they are trying to pass laws so that our teachers can't speak the name of Jesus at school. You know what I say, teachers? Speak the name of Jesus at school. Don't be stupid. Be wise. But the moment somebody cracks that door open... You ought to have the wisdom of God to see the crack in the door and run on through. God is giving you seasons to speak His name. Don't you shy away from that. Hey, Leroy, you ought to be saying amen louder than any other librarian in here. I thought that maybe every public school employee here would jump up and scream, Yes! I want to help you with something. I'm, I am just, listen, thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to even preach. I, I, would, I would really like to preach something fun. The Holy Spirit isn't letting me. And the anointing is so strong up here that my flesh is having a hard time standing. I keep leaning on this thing. Because the heart of God for the generation that we are living in, his heart is broken. And I would venture to say that the majority of the people who have driven by down Bullard while we were worshiping are on their way to hell. And we must see that. And we must be willing to upset some folks and shake up some things to bring the name of Jesus to this city, to bring the light of God to this city. And you know what I would do to a person who approached me and said, you can't say that here. 
I would say, well, tell me, what are some needs in your life? What are some troubles that you are experiencing? What are some challenges that you are facing? And I would take them right there and call on the name of Jesus in behalf of them so that God could move and show himself faithful and surprise the heck out of them that he's real. That's really on the podcast. Leave it there, Felicia. Listen to what Jesus said to them. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Jesus said this. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. He commanded you to be a peacemaker. He commanded me to be a peacemaker, but he's letting us know that there are times when for us to do what the kingdom assigns us to do, it is absolutely impossible to be a peacemaker. That's why those of you that are believers and you've been walking with Jesus a long time, when you go to family reunion, all those who who love Jesus and all those who are believers run over to this corner of the room and all of those who don't want to hear anything about it go outside. Until their wife or their son or their daughter or their husband or their loved one is in trouble, then they're thinking, we better call those believers because they know how to call on God if you've done what you're supposed to do. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Oh, you're going, oh, that's what happened to me and my (laughs) mother-in-law. No. You can take that to your mother-in-law and go, it's in the word. (laughs) We're not going to get along. Just want you to know. No, that's not what he's saying. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Why is he saying that? That seems so confusing, and it seems contrary to who God even is. But all you need to do is go and visit some Iranian Christians who've had to look their family in the face and say, I will serve Jesus. And have their own father and their own mother and their own brothers and sisters look them in the face and say, you are dead to me and given the opportunity, I will kill you. And they say, nevertheless, I will serve the Lord. And Hussein was here. Some of you remember Sadabi and Hussein. They were Iranians. They came to Jesus in the middle of Iran under, um, who's that guy we knocked down over there? Hussein's, uh, Saddam Hussein's leadership? Iraq. I got it all mixed up. Maybe they were Iraqis, I don't know. 
Anyway, they're over there. They came to Jesus. Their family rejected them. Their community rejected them. And because they came to Jesus, they were professionals and school teachers and, and so on. Everyone in their family, not just the believer, but every one of their children lost their jobs. Because one person stood up and said, I'll walk with Jesus. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. That's what he's talking about. There is a price to pay to walk with Jesus. We haven't experienced it as Westerners, but we're going to. And I wish that the Lord would allow me to just give you a, a message that tells you how wonderful everything is, but I assure you that everything is wonderful if you're in the kingdom and your feet are rooted and grounded in Him. Everything is wonderful and He will keep you just like He kept the children of Israel in Goshen and He'll take care of you and He'll supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. But I assure you that, that, that He picked up His cross and we pick up ours. So we must take up our cross. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There have been some key moments in my life, and I'll just speak this in closing. There have been some key moments in my life, in my family's life, where we had to make a decision of whether we were going to follow the will of God and do what God had called us to do and, and follow the, in the assignment that He had given us, or whether we were going to pursue our own comfort. While the sacrifices at times were scary, they haven't been great. God has always taken care of us. When the Spirit of God prophesied to me to leave a job that I'd been on for 15 years because He wanted me here and I was in Southern California, uh, believe me, that was a scary moment in our lives. When we had a house payment, a car payment, and four kids to feed, that was a scary moment in our lives. I'm not suggesting that what God will call you to do will particularly be easy decisions to make. I am suggesting that He'll never leave you and He'll never forsake you. Amen. And I am suggesting that we must respond to the Spirit of the Lord that is blowing in this house and we must say yes to Him and we must say, Lord, we'll take up our cross. Lord, we'll do what, what we are called to do. I'm going to tell you something. People do not come to my house to visit on Sunday because they know that I'll say, I'll be back in a few hours. I've got to go worship with the body of Christ. You can either stay here or you can come with me, but I'm going to the house of the Lord. There is an anointing for the body of Christ to become what we need to become in the earth. And we have allowed ourselves to be settled and rooted into the life of the culture when it's time to be stirred by the anointing of Zion. I'm prophesying to you now. God is trying by the moving of His Spirit in our seasons of worship to prick our hearts so that we will move as He moves in the earth. Jesus said, I'll go. I go where the Father's going. I do what the Father's doing. I say what the Father's saying. 
Somebody goes, how do you do? They, they were saying, Jesus, how do you open the eyes of the blind? You just pay attention. If that's what the Father's doing, then you can open the eyes of the blind. How do you open the ears of the deaf? You just get in tune with the Holy Spirit. And if he decides that the deaf man is going to hear, go command his ears to be opened in the name of Jesus. God would get so excited if we would begin to live our life this way. But we will become the church that will challenge our generation in the things of God. We have said yes to that. And God is going to begin to open your eyes to the fields that are around you that are wide into harvest. And it is not enough to say Jesus loves you. That is an incomplete message. Jesus does love you, that's truth. But that's an incomplete message. Jesus loved you and He gave His life for you. And He wants you to come and spend eternity with Him. But He will let you decide not to. And I challenge you that the Spirit of God is calling us in our generation to tell the rest of the story. He loves you, but He will let you go to hell if you choose to. He won't force you into His heaven. He won't force you into eternity with Him. Love will open the door. Love will open the door. You must love. Your motivation must be love. Love will open the door. But the harvest comes when the kingdom of God that is suffering violence is taken by those who, who are violent and will take it by force. I want to tell you that Jesus loves you, but I want to tell you that he won't force you to know him. He won't force you to serve Him. He won't force you to live for Him. He will let you be wrong. He will let you live without Him. I challenge you this morning to know Him. I challenge you to say yes to Him. And I challenge you to be His voice in the earth. I challenge you to be His hands and feet in the earth. I challenge you this morning to study His Word, to be approved, to be a voice of God in the earth, I challenge you to become the body of Christ in the earth in greater measure than you've ever imagined possible. And I challenge you that you are going to have a blast doing it. You're going to love, love what God is going to produce.